Welcome or welcome back to Biracial and Bitchy, a show about holding multiple identities and reconciling them into one strong sense of self. And now your host, Nisha Balsara. Kem Cho! Bitches! Welcome or welcome back to Biracial and Bitchy. I'm your host, Nisha Balsara, and recently I have posted a couple videos. You have been keeping up with my YouTube channel. I have posted a couple videos, and you know, there's a lot going on in my life right now. <laughs> I wanted to thank everyone from the bottom of my heart. It is so humbling to just make videos and express myself and put them on the internet. And it always blows my mind when I realize there's people watching and people commenting and a little community around the stuff I make. I am so thankful for all the love and support on my past few ventures back into YouTube. And in the holiday spirit, I was thinking, what is something that I can give back? I wish I could Venmo each of you a dollar, but then I <laughs> would have no money. I think about y'all a lot. It's so nice to have people who vibe with the shit I make. And I was thinking, okay, what do I have that I naturally can do in abundance and give back? And one thing I think I'm an expert on is social media advice. And I thought it would be fun to bring on my cutie husband. <laughs> Because Jesse is a writer, we both went to USC and studied dramatic arts, dabbled in film, production, podcasting, acting. Between us, we've done it all. Even did a little voiceover acting between the two of us. We have had so many new ventures in this new year and I wanted to give back freely with all your support because I am genuinely, I am genuinely, people say there are too many influencers. I'm genuinely asking you and begging you to be an influencer because Here's the thing about influence. Influence just gives you community. Yeah, it can give you jobs, but I'm not saying you have to quit your job. I'm saying the average person is so much more connected to what the world needs. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not an influencer, or even if you are, you're probably more like purpose-driven based on all the content you consume relating to this, right? And I just think you of all people have a voice that is deserving of being heard. When you think about like different things you're passionate about, something that can rally and really change make is the ability to gather a community around you. And that's really what influencing is. At the root of influencing and cultivating a following, there is something that I think Jesse is a expert in, which is storytelling. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Jesse Rappaport, everybody. Thank you. I'm appreciating you on the Take Your Husband to Work Day, volume four, three, four. You just have such good things to say. I think the sort of overarching thing that I would like to start with is that storytelling is not just for the sake of telling good stories and for the sake of doing that art well. It is also becoming an increasingly necessary part of building any professional endeavor and I would even argue any personal endeavor as well. I absolutely agree. I think one thing that you and I have been working with and coaching me through is the art of storytelling in really a cinematic sense and encouraging me to go back to my roots of being a dramatic arts bitch. To me, the reason that I, I chose to major in this and study this, and I'm sure you too, Jesse, is that I see storytelling and art as such an incredible vehicle towards social change. And when it is done well, like the greats in our history, like what we studied in school, it is one of the most powerful social tools of our generation, I think. 
especially in the sense of this interconnectedness of the world through the internet. So today I wanted to talk to you guys with Jesse's input on story on. So today I want to. I'm sorry, I needed this. <laughs> I can't. Anyways, while Jesse's peeing. So back to me begging you to be an influencer. I think that even if you keep your profile private and you post among your friends and family, the ability to be vulnerable in a emotive, interesting way. What are we to our friends, our social circle, but each other's historians and choosing a platform of distribution, whether it be private or public, is something so important to consider. And then we'll dive a little bit into the storytelling aspect of advocating change. And I think this could impact you, whether you choose to post online or not within your social circle, work, friendships, among your family. Telling better stories is an art that I think shares wisdom and change and is so at the root of every single culture. Jesse, I wanna talk a little bit about what makes a story compelling, make someone wanna watch a story, make someone want to listen. Then we can take a, then we can talk a little bit on how to apply that knowledge to choosing a platform to shine on. Sure. So I think the biggest misconception that people have is when they think about what makes a good story, generally they usually think about content in terms of, oh, that was exciting or that was riveting or that was nerve wracking or, or... Like the feeling. Yeah, but the, the real power of story, at least as, as I have sort of come to know it and come to be able to harness this as a skill set and me from five years ago can't believe I'm about to say this and, and mean it seriously, but structure. A lot of people see structure as the enemy of creativity, the enemy of free expression. The enemy of Nisha Balsara. <laughs> like, like I said, five years ago, it was my mortal enemy. The point of this is, is that I can take some pretty pedestrian facts and if I can, you know, sort of massage them into a structure, Ooh. I can turn what would otherwise be a categorically uninteresting story into something that is engaging, but more than that, something that actually taps in to people's emotions. And that, as you know, you might have heard, or it's maybe the best tool of social media marketing is creating an emotion, eliciting an emotion. Exactly. That's really the biggest thing, is that story is a structure, it's a way to tap into parts of people's brains that they don't even really understand are working when, when they're absorbing things. And uh, like I said earlier, that is a real foundational force in not just what movies or TV shows or music people like, but in what products they buy, where they spend their time, who they listen to and trust and who they don't. And by products, I don't want people to be thinking them as in physical products or like ads. Product can be anything from how you do your hair to what political campaigns to vote for. What are you passionate about? That's your product. What do you want to elicit change or cultivate a community around? I would recommend to the audience, there is a book that really was a turning point for me in, in sort of this, uh, education. It's called The Storyteller's Secret. The author is Carmine Gallo. I'm pretty sure he's done a TED Talk on this subject. The book isn't about how to tell the best story for your friends at a party or to write the best screenplay. It's about how uh, 
you know, some of the world's biggest business leaders. Uh, he talks about, for example, Richard Branson. He talks about Gary Vaynerchuk. How these people, a big part of their success in selling things in the business world is actually reliant not just on how they present whatever it is they're selling, but how they present themselves and the story about themselves and the story that they are able to curate for the public viewing. It's not just about the story of whatever it is you're selling, the product or the service. It's the story about you and your journey towards being in business selling this product or this service or what have you. And that's something that in this day and age, people want to buy things or support things that they really feel that they understand and that they understand on a human level. And so that's like a big, you know, an important part about it. It's not that the product is the hero as much as it is the, the hero's journey of the person to get to the point where they're providing that product or service or whatever it is. So... You know, having spoken a little bit about this and about how it's it's not just the story of, of the product, it's the story about the person, as you have taught me, there is an appropriate forum for every story. How does one pick a platform for their story? I think the most important thing to ask yourself when you are wanting to engage in the art of storytelling, like you're thinking, okay, I actually am someone who wants to cultivate a community through sharing knowledge and story. The first thing that comes to mind to ask myself would be what platform can I fully express every idea on? When I first became an influencer, I had to really jump into the Instagram and the TikTok of it all because I was like, okay, I don't know how to make money. I don't know how much to charge. I have to pay my bills. Like I'm doing this full time now because I want to make as much art as possible. And I got really, really depressed. Like you remember. I do. Yeah. And it wasn't the fact that I didn't enjoy making the ads. I started realizing I liked making the ads the most because there was a company paying me for this. And so I was being offered like the standard. So to improve on my ads, I would invest in the filmmaking and then the storytelling and in the creativity of it all, then in the look and the vibes. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, I love making films. What am I doing trying to be an influencer? This is why I'm so sad. And then I recently re-pivoted to podcasts and YouTube and taking this huge risk, right, of going back to a platform I haven't been on for over a year and then creating a new one. But now the ease of which I create content and the joy I get from it is so much more natural. It is such a much more natural feeling. I am fully able to articulate my life and the circumstances and what I'm going through and how it's changed me to the world through a platform that is visual. I naturally take so many pictures and freaking videos of everything. So it, it's nice to make something of something that comes so naturally to me. I'm super introspective. So like I love writing, I love speaking. Those were the platforms that just leap, leapt out at me. But if you hate talking out loud to yourself, you should absolutely not podcast. If you are like, yeah, I like take, I take like one or two photos. You shouldn't like post photos on Instagram, right? But if you are an incredible writer, like blogging and Instagram, I would say Instagram is the new blog. Like people blog on there. People make mini little articles on there. I think this is such a good point and it 
something that I wanted to reiterate is that stories all of all around us all the time. Yeah. It is why you, the listener, think what you think, why you believe what you believe in, why you support what you support, why you wear what you wear, why you eat what you eat. As you were talking about that, some of the incredible brands that we've worked with is one of the most recent ones we did, Elix. Yeah. You created a really beautiful narrative for that campaign. I was thinking, what would that ad have looked like if it was done by anyone else say if it had been done for super bowl like a commercial on super bowl sunday it would look very different and the story might be very different but the information would be the same the goal would be the same you can do the same thing on different medium but when you pick a different medium it's always going to be a different product that brings me to my next point when you're choosing the medium I want you to choose a medium that is so joyful to improve on. The key <laughs> to making a platform successful besides storytelling is constant improvement. Every single video you make should look like trash the next time you make a video because you should always be improving one thing. And more on the, I, I also wanted to say this one point about storytelling, this is kind of a tangent, but the reason I think storytelling through your art or through your medium or through your social media platform you choose is so important is that because these stories that we tell ourselves make up our mental health, make up who we are and the power of being able to change or take a hold of the narrative of your own story is something that'll transcend like through mental health, through your social circle, through through social media. Like it is so powerful and I'm just considering like the joy, the ease, the mental space you have for that platform that you can make improvements on is all things I would consider when you're taking this on because you really want to commit, like you want to be able to build and improve. So that actually brings up a question that I've really wanted to ask you. I don't know if you remember, but uh, back when uh, we were in uh, acting school, I say the beginning, a lot of these companies had already been around for eight, nine, even 10 years. A lot of these social media platforms were still relatively new. Mm -hmm. And you know, in our case, a lot of our professors didn't really have the tools or the skill set or the knowledge to sort of adequately educate us on those because they had come up 30 years prior and just didn't have any background in it. But that's a story for another day. The question I'm trying to ask you is that a major message that I think a lot of like people, particularly in that field, actors and entertainment professionals get is that, oh, you have to be on all of these platforms. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that as advice? And do you think there's any truth to it? What's your take on that? I think it's so unnatural the way most actors pursuing acting run their social media because they don't think of what we are talking about right now. And I don't think that just for actors, I think that about like businesses, I think that about anybody posting online, like whether it's for your friends and family only or the world is like, Think about like what you normally naturally do. Stop thinking about everyone else. If you're someone who loves to write journal entries, you might want to have a freaking newsletter. It's so unnatural to be trying to post on, you know how like people make it into a business and suddenly your recipe blogger who was just like someone you found on TikTok overnight is now has every single platform and it's automated and there's no raw interaction with the audience and change and it gets boring and then they just start dipping. 
it's because there's no storytelling, there's no narrative. You need to be posting the appropriate content and creating exclusivity through those platforms. And that's what gets you a good engagement throughout these platforms because you will have individualized like buddies on every single platform who vibe with different types of media you create. So to clarify for your audience, it is better to be a master of one than a jack of all trades. Absolutely. How many times, like, you go on TikTok and you see these comedians posting their podcasts and, like, making funny jokes. And then if they post all that shiz on Instagram, people want exclusive content. People come and they're like, oh, they're just posting the same. And I'm so guilty for this. I'm so guilty for this. I've had deja vu so many times when I've like gone, seen some somebody I follow on Instagram, I like their thing, and then I hop on t- you know, TikTok a few hours later, and I'm like, didn't I just see the same thing? Did I like this? Am I dreaming? Did I hit my head? Don't even get me started, Jesse Rappaport. Like I, this is not what this is not what's popular, but it's what I believe. And like, yeah, I sometimes I have to post things on both things. You know, sometimes we haven't had a week, and I get it. I really do get it. But if you can ex- create exclusivity, like if you, throughout the platforms, for me, I, I'm starting to kind of not love making reels exclusively for TikTok and Instagram. I mean, if it's an ad and if that's the company wants that, whatever, you know, you got to get your bag. <laughs> but for me, creating a different narrative per thing is just a part of my art. And I like didn't do that in the beginning. I built this skill, but that's why I've been able to maintain an even representation throughout every single platform. I create exclusivity throughout those platforms. So if you really are story driven, you're going to want to keep up with my life because it's like, it's just like we're all buddies make enjoying the same art that I like to make. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I'm a big stand-up comedy fan. I follow a lot of comedians who I know personally or comedians who I really respect their work. And one trend that anybody who follows stand-up comedy will be aware of is that in the last few years with the sort of rise of TikTok, Mm -hmm. it's become very, I would say popular, but I'd even go further than that and say it's become almost mandatory, it seems, for stand-up comedians to post what is called crowd work, which is videos of them doing shows, but rather than doing prepared material, they are looking out at the crowd and trying to strike up conversations with people in the crowd. And I think what's so funny about this and why I'm bringing it up is that it illustrates the absurdity of this. Because I follow so many of these people, mm-hmm. I've seen the sort of inner discussions that is happening within this community. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how everybody, all of these professionals will recognize, oh, this feels like a requirement, but... One, I know I'm not good at it. Two, I know I don't want to do it. And three, that very few people are good at it. But even having a very prescient understanding of these three things, which you would say, wow, that seems like pretty damning evidence that unless you're one of the two to five percent of comics that are good at it, why are we doing this? And why does it feel like such a, a requirement when there's no police, there's no board of comedians that's enforcing this and yet it's something it's a force so powerful that it leads everybody to spend their time doing this even though they know it's a waste of time at least for them i had my hand up to the gods that's a thing i've been dying to talk about people when i say i do social media will either have like a mental block and they'll be like oh my god vapid valley bitch it is such a mind block that even I have with social media. And it's so, no, you don't get the mic again. 
Sit down, boy. I just want to say I, I do too. I'm guilty of this all the time. But that is such a mental block and it's such a good segue into talking about the next thing I, I'm just like burning in my soul is this idea of cultivating a celebrity-like energy, which is something that I, this is how I heard it spoken about on TikTok, but what we would have called it in theater school would have been a 10 year friend. Cultivating this like warmth and charisma and having this tits up presence of you of yes, I'm actually deserving of the attention because we have been told so much to play it small. And especially in the world of like stand-up comedy and storytelling, stand-up comedy has been used to leverage social change for decades. It's it, art, it's telling a story, having a narrative. And the virality and the danger of the unpredictability of the internet is the thing that is holding all these people back. Because I think all these people, the sooner they can fucking get over it and cultivating that feeling of, yeah, you know what? I actually have something to say. I actually think it's important and I think it actually helps people and I'm deserving of those eyes. Those people could have easy time cultivating an audience because they are the very skill that having an, a, an engaged community is built on, which is sharing knowledge and stories, especially telling that through humor is such a mental block that we all get when we start self-sabotaging when we know things could be very successful. And I mean, you've seen me go through it. You've seen me go through a lot of the self-sabotage of not wanting to be seen and playing it smaller and not spending time cultivating this feeling of being bigger and taking more space. You wanna talk a little bit about that? So to that, I'm always reminded, it's that song and the people all said, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat, oh, yeah. you know? And that's like the biggest fear, I think. And it's it's why people um, get get caught in these kind of vicious cycles, like we were talking earlier, these, these futile cycles. But I think that one of the lessons of story and this sort of goes actually beyond the realm of like structure of a story, but what stories do we love? What what are functions of those stories that we love in terms of content? The most successful stories, most successful movies, television, whatever, it's about main characters who have the courage to buck the trend, to eschew what is, is it, geez, that's a mouthful, to eschew what is expected of them. That level of courage, that level of... The only word that's coming to my mind is the Yiddish word chutzpah. That is what we love in story and that, you know, the more radical and revolutionary the main character, I think generally the more people tend to adore and, and treasure those stories and, and champion them. So I think that that's like a big thing. It's about finding the courage to go beyond what is expected is kind of the first step in becoming the hero of your own journey, the hero's journey. And that's what I used to really push on everyone I when I started coaching people on social media was that the biggest thing was just the people who are doing it bigger are just people who have the gumption to be like, I deserve to be heard, I deserve to be seen. But then we are so misconstrued because that framework of thinking really does draw some not so great ideals, some not so great people. But this is why this is such an important podcast to me because I really wish that the average person had more self-belief 
and more ability to cultivate this energy that we were taught in theater school. They basically break you of having any embarrassment. And Jesse and I would like jiggle our jaws and like crawl on the floor. Right. And I think this is kind of the last big pillar that, you know, you can really offer in this discussion. You have many other things to offer, but I think this is one of the last like main tenant pillars that a lot of people don't realize, which is, and this is something that I've been in awe of your entire social media career. You have amassed quite a following, but I think a lot of people would be surprised at how many followers you have actually deleted from your accounts. And not just because they said vile, horrible things to you, but because you take very seriously curating a community as not just a means to like protect yourself emotionally and physically, but also to protect the brand and protect the quality of engagement. You asked that so well, I'm shook. But yes, I used to delete a lot of followers when I first began this journey. And this is kind of an old school way of thinking, but it's very based on the Gary Vaynerchuk or Michael Bosnick. The reason I was really drawn to doing social media was what they spoke about and how they cultivated a brand based on their art and followers that actually just enjoyed what they made. And when I would go through and I would look at my following in the very beginning, I wanted that engagement rate to be really high because I knew Instagram only shows your content to a very small percentage of followers. So if you want that engagement rate to be high, and for me, I'm not in the business of collecting followers. I don't care how many followers I have. I am good if I have none. I am good if I lose a, a platform, I'll go somewhere else. I am a creative no matter what. So it's not about just numbers. To me, it was like creating a little club. It was creating a space, something that felt like a physical space, an after school club. Now it's kind of like a after work with my besties club based on shared mutual appreciation of the stuff I make. Right. And I want to just add that what you're seeking in terms of curating this following is not oh, I only want people who agree with me, or I only want people who are gonna you know, say super nice things to me. It's about, to, to me, at least from the outside, it's about really curating who that audience member is so that I have a vivid picture of them and so that I can best serve them with what I'm doing. That vivid picture is so vivid to me. I have a very clear reader. And so when I would go through and filter through everything. I would delete a lot of men because like, yes, you know, they exist on the internet, but they're not going to be vibing with my content. Do you know how much I talk about my vagina on the internet? Okay. Straight, most cis white men. Anyways, we, we know what we're talking about. The guy who's like holding a deer in his profile picture is not going to vibe with my content. Or even if he does, I don't want to talk to him. I try to keep my audience to just the people I would feel comfortable talking to. So yes, if you've followed me for a long time, you actually got in to the club essentially, and you've been selected there. <laughs> and it's one of the ways that's made it very comfortable for me to grow that engagement right now. There came a time where I couldn't do that anymore when I started growing more and more and bigger and bigger. And now I really can't monitor that, especially with the virality of the platforms. And this is another thing, just when we talk about 
storytelling. I get questions all the time. I'm losing followers. People are dying off. I got a lot of viral things from one reel and a ton of people are here, but now they're losing. Let your followers fall off. Let them leave. Get your engagement rate up. We want people who are engaged. We want a platform of co-narration. It, it really reminds me of, uh, if anybody's seen The Wolf of Wall Street, you know, that's based on a very famous guy who actually really did a lot of the things that are depicted in that movie, actually went to jail for it. And you'd expect, based on kind of a lot of the sordid, illegal things that he did, that he'd be very much like a sleazy salesman type. This might date me a little bit, but a Glen Gary, Glen Ross type of salesman, you know, ABC, always be closing, whatever you can say or do to get somebody to buy your product. And this guy doesn't believe in that at all. Mm -hmm. There's a scene in that movie where uh, Leo DiCaprio, who plays this guy, says to somebody he's about to hire, he says, here, sell me this pen. And it's like a test. Can you get me to buy the pen? The real Jordan Belfort will talk about that part in the movie saying, yes, that's a real thing. But the real mark of a good salesman is not someone who's going to browbeat you into buying that pen or who's going to manipulate you emotionally into buying that pen. It's someone who actually takes the time to ask, hi, how are you? What are your needs? Are, are you somebody who actually can benefit from a pen? Yes. And I think because I came at this because I was an actress who just kept on wanting to make stuff and was bored. Not as someone who was like, I can't wait to have free things. You know what I mean? I don't want you to buy my fucking pen. I want to find the people who need a pen. And that's the end of it. I had a really viral video last year. I think it got like 10 plus million views. And I had so many people following me, I jumped up very quickly. And it was so traumatic for me because it was like, it just beat my engagement rate. And I have just been having to check my ego and let people die off. And I've been letting people die off, taking some time offline, which we won't get into. We don't have time to in this episode, but there's an art to being offline, whether you're an influencer or not. But letting people who don't vibe with what you make, your little happiness that you've made, let them die off. Bye-bye. You don't want anyone around who already doesn't want to fucking listen to your story. Let that man go. Let that man go. All right, that was it. Y'all, if you enjoyed this, please continue the narrative and the community in the comment section of my latest Instagram post, or you can check out my YouTube for more of what we make. Now get out there and cultivate a celebrity energy because your story is worth sharing. Bye. Thank you for listening to Biracial and Bitchy. Be sure to rate us five stars because remember, karma is a relaxing thought. And do a bitch a favor, share this episode with a friend. Bye!